0: It is absolutely wonderful to know that there's a God who not only sees you, he sees you and then he actually knows who you are on the deep, on the inside. And then also he says that I care for you. I know you. It's one thing to see somebody. I see you. But then you you know the story, you know the background, you know who they are. And then you look at that person and go, I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. I have a reason for you to be here on earth. That is an incredible, incredible position that God has put, put us in. And the way that we think about God and the way that we think about our relationship with God changes the way that we respond in absolutely every area of life. The way that you perceive your relationship with your family changes the way that you respond to your family. In the same way, the way that we see the fact that God sees us and knows us and cares for us changes the way that we respond. And it should be a wonderful response. Because he sees us, because he knows us, because he cares for us, I can dot, 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 you fill the blank in. What's your response to that? The creator of the universe sees you. He knows you. He cares for you. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm not going to spend this morning convincing you that the creator of the universe cares and knows and and sees you. What we're going to do is talk about our response to that. Because he sees us. What's the correct response? Because he knows me. How do I live life differently? Because he cares for me, how do I see myself? Do I see myself the way society sees me? Do I see myself it through the, the eyes of, because you look this way, then you must be special. Because you act this way, or your bank account is this much, or because you have this much education, then you're valuable. And God says, you're valuable, Despite all those things, because I know you, I care for you, and I certainly see where you are. And the wonderful thing is God doesn't want to leave us where he finds us. He wants to grow us and to develop us and to make us into who we were created to be a good example for mother's day is you know you have your little infant child and you look at that and you think of all the pain and the suffering of the last 9 months and all of those things wash away for so- somehow and a few years time they want to do it all over again which you look at the child and you think to yourself this is absolutely wonderful but here's a key statement healthy things grow you don't want your infant to remain an infant forever now that you have teenagers, maybe you look back and you go, I wish you were just a baby. I'd change nappies any day over what we're doing now. But you want them to grow. You want them to develop. Your mothers, every single one of us has one, didn't want you to stay where you were found. And certainly as a father, once they got out of nappy stage, finally. And then you have another child that's in nappy stage again, and then you do it all over again. But do you know what? Our heavenly Father, God, who who sees us and knows for, knows us and cares for us, looks at you, whatever stage of life you're in, whether you are spiritually an infant or spiritually mature, he says, I have a plan and I have a purpose for you to grow you and to develop you. How are we supposed to respond to this absolutely incredible fact? That's what we're going to look at this morning. A few minutes ago, Joe, through her testimony, shared, Psalm 139. She read the first 10 verses. Psalm 139 is a wonderful psalm to read, particularly if you're going through a difficult time where you find that you need encouragement. This is King David writing the psalm, and he wrote many of the psalms in the the book of Psalms, and they were written as songs. And the, the history of psalms is they were written, and they're written as songs to be sung in worship, particularly worship in the temple. And different types of psalms. Some of the psalms were psalms that they would read as they went up the stairs to the temple. They'd, they'd sing a line and then go up a stair, sing a line, go up a stair. And other ones were used as, as, as teaching. They would, they would teach different truths. And of course, we all know that if you have a song in your head, you can remember things from your childhood. And all those things are a great way to memorize. And that's a great way to learn about the, the truth of God. And I believe that's what Psalm 139 is. It's a great lesson to learn and to put into our minds the truth of the things of God. Our principle for today is this. God sees, knows, and cares for my family. Pretty obvious. We have kind of already talked through that. Now, how are we supposed to respond to that? I think the way that we think about God and our relationship with God and with him will determine our response to the facts that he cares for us, and he sees us, and he knows us. So, let's begin with the first response. The first response is a response that I believe we all have when we're facing something absolutely amazing. It's the response of, wow! And in chapter verse number 6 of Psalm 139, we see David, in the previous verses, lays out some incredible things about God, how he Sees us and he cares for us and he knows us intimately. And then his response is in verse number six, where he says, such knowledge is too wonderful to me. This is old Jewish Hebrew talk. And he was basically saying, wow. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is too big. For me, this is absolutely incredible. Have you ever seen things as you traveled? Uh, for instance, uh, we saw the Grand Canyon many years ago. And you see photos of the Grand Canyon in the United States. And you see the little photo and you go, well, it's pretty impressive. And then you see it for yourself. And you stand up on the edge and you go, wow. You can see all the way down. It just, there's no other really good word for it. Maybe you can add some extra adjectives like, really wow or really, really wow. But, you know, you think about our limited English language. Sometimes you just look at things of God and go, God, that's amazing. Wow, God, And you start thinking through in your mind, the creator of the universe who holds and sustains absolutely everything in his hands. He sees you, he knows you, he knows you personally. The Bible says he not only knows how many hairs are in your head, he knows the thoughts before we've had, even had the thoughts, and he knows the good things that you've done and also the bad things that you've done. And despite what society would tell you, where you have to put your best foot forward and absolutely show no sign of weakness at all, God sees you in your weakness and your, the horrible things that you do, the things that you would want no one else in the entire world to know about. He knows those things, and he still says, I love you. I care for you. Now, I know there's some great adjectives. You can get your thesaurus out and start flipping through and find some great adjectives to describe the response to that. But for me, wow, is pretty incredible. Wow, God, what have you done? What are you doing? It brings about a sense of wonder. A sense of wonder like a mother lying in bed with a newborn counting the fingers. And thinking, how was this created? And my wife and I, we've had three children. And every single of the three, you sit there in the hospital and you count the fingers and count the toes and you make sure there's ten. And you look at the little digits and you look at the tiny little almost like a doll-like features of the child, and you go, this is amazing. Now, we've had three kids. I don't know if you get bored after the fourth, and you don't go really wow anymore, but at least for three, I know from personal experience, you still go, wow, this is incredible. This is wonderful. I never want to get tired of the things that God has done and is doing. We also build us with a sense of confidence. Because He cares for us, we live life differently as a result. I am filled with a great deal of confidence as a result because of that wow. Psalm 139, verse number 5, it says, You hand me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. What he's talking about there is you put your arms around me. I'm protected from the back. I'm protected from the front. From every single side, you're, you are surrounding me. David, as a man, the man who was writing this, he was described as a man after God's own heart. But he was also a man that was full of war. He was constantly running for his life, fighting battles. In every aspect of his life, there's some sort of battle. Your life is always going to be possible to be taken any moment. I don't know how he slept at night. And he says here he finds comfort not in his own personal strength, not in his military prowess, is in the fact that God hems him in from behind and in front and all the sides around. In another psalm, we see in Psalm ninety-one, verse number four, it says, "He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler." This very pictorial language to say the word pinions. Is an old word that means the feathers. And then he talks about the wings. And in a very real way, it's like a mother hen holding her chicks underneath her wings. That's literally what it means. Under the feathers, under the pinions of her wings. There's an old story about a farmer that had a horrible fire that went through his barn. And the fire went through the barn, and most of the animals all got out. In fact, they they released them, and the horses ran out, the cows scurried out, and the pigs rolled around in the mud as they went through. The chickens were all released. And as he went through the barn, looking at the smoldering embers, the burnt things on the ground, he came across this unusual blob lying there on the floor. And he, he pushed it with his foot, not knowing what it was. And he realized that it was his old faithful hen who had given him many, many chicks over the years, faithfully producing eggs for him. And he looked at it just, just sad. Most of everything got out, but not that hen. As he kicked it a second time to roll, roll her over, to look at her face. Underneath her wings scurried a handful of chicks. She could have got out herself, but she held her chicks who were unable to get out underneath her wings and protected them from the fire and ultimately saved their lives. Throughout the book of Psalms and really throughout the Bible, we see a common theme of God surrounding us underneath his wings and holding us in protection like a mother hen holding the chicks in underneath her wings for protection. And it's a really beautiful, beautiful picture. A similar picture will be uh, you know, during a storm, the children running into Mom and Dad's bed and hiding underneath the covers for protection. It gives us a sense of confidence. and Jesus himself, looking over Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter number 23, verse number 37, Jesus looking over Jerusalem, uses that exact same illustration. When he says, how often would I have gathered your children, talking about Jerusalem, together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. The fact that we look at God and the fact that he sees you and knows you and cares for you and your family leads us with a sense of wonder and confidence in the wow aspect. And it's not just good, positive thinking. You know, I am good. I am great. I am wonderful. God, you care for me. You see me. You love me. I just have to keep telling me myself that it actually turns into something practical where he physically carries you. He comes alongside you when you are all alone. And you do not have to live life by yourself. People try. We try really hard to live life in our own strength and our own power. Much like an infant sitting there, being born you think to yourself, okay go be free that's foolish no caring mother would ever release a child to go be free you see these different animals that are born and instantly run towards the shore like the like the sea turtles that go that scurry towards the shore never to see their parents ever again that's not the way we're created at all we're created to live in a loving and caring family and that's the picture that god gives us there not only are we to respond with wow, we're to respond with worship. Continuing on in that passage in Psalm 139, in verse number 14, we see another response. In, in this passage, David goes along and he shares some facts and some truth about God, and then he gives a response. Verse number 6 is the response of Wow. Verse number 14, after giving some more facts about God and the fact that he sees us as infants and sees us before we were even born. And then the response is in verse 14 of that of worship. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, it may not be socially acceptable to walk around going, I am wonderfully made in society because our, our horrible Call poppy syndrome within Australia means that we want to cut you down. But you think to yourself, and it's actually a really wonderful thing, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not just because my mom said so, but because God, the creator of the universe, says so. And the same thing for you, whatever your self-image is. And I do believe that worship, is a, a simple definition of worship is giving God his due worth. Showing God that he is worthy of the praise and the glory that he deserves. That's basically a a definition of worship. So worship is not just singing songs. Worship comes from the heart, and it's an attitude that we all present. And I believe the foundation of worship is a correct understanding of who you are in God. An incorrect understanding would be to think too highly of yourself. God, I don't need you. I can do life all by myself. A correct understanding is, God, you are the creator of the universe. You're the sustainer of the universe. I need you. There's an old hymn that says, I need you every hour. and every aspect of your life, you are needing God. And understanding that your need of God turns into worship. In Psalm 63, verses 6 and 7, it talks about when we worship. And it's not just corporate worship, which I think is a wonderful thing. I love singing. I love when our church gets together and worships together as a whole. But what this psalm is talking about in the stillness of night, when it's quiet, when you've been woken up in the middle of the night and you wonder to yourself, why am I awake? It's at 3 a.m. And it wasn't because you had pizza. And You think to yourself, why am I awake? What, am, what, what have you got for me? It is a challenge to you. Something I personally do is I often ask God, not just, God, why am I awake in a whiny way? But, God, I'm awake for a reason. Will you show me that what it is? Will you bring someone to my mind? And oftentimes I pray for many of you. And it's not because you're on a list, but because you sometimes randomly or seemingly randomly come to my mind. And I, and I pray for you. I pray for different situations. I ask God to bless my family, bless my children, and talk about the different aspects. But it says there, In verse number six, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate, meditate is not the the emptying of your mind. It's actually it's the purposeful thinking through and the mulling over. Another way of saying is chewing on the, the truth that you know. And meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So the joy, the singing for joy is the worship. It begins with remembering the things of God, not just knowing them, but actually bringing them to your mind and then meditating upon them, chewing on them, mulling on them and thinking about how it applies to you in your life. And the natural response of that is worship. It doesn't come from, you know, Building up emotion and drumming up emotion, or just saying, "Okay, now we're going to worship." Switch, switch it on. It begins far earlier with the truth of, that we find in the Word of God. Remembering, there's something w- incredible, particularly about mothers, and maybe, maybe you ladies can relate to this. My wife is very good at this. You hear a crying child, your own child crying, she knows. She knows which cries to ignore. You know those whiny ones? uh, Those cries that are not really, I'm hurt cries. A number of years ago, my daughter, who's my youngest, she broke her femur bone, which is pretty serious. And me being the dad that says, you're fine. (laughs) Get up. Uh, And I quickly turned, (laughs) that was horrible. It was a horrible situation to go through. That cry. That terror cry, that whimper cry, I will never forget. She cries a whole lot of other things and other things that we don't even blink an eye at. But when you hear that cry that you know they're really hurt, it demands a response. And you never forget what that, that sounds like. And you, when you hear it, you instantly respond. Others of you, you're not bad parents for ignoring your kids crying because you know they're not really hurt. But when you know they're really hurt, that's a different tone, isn't it? We remember the things of God, and when we hear them, they come into your mind and it triggers something in your mind, and you hear the truth of the things of God and it turns into worship. As you meditate, and meditate is simply a word that means to mull it over, it's a filling of your mind. It says, When I remember. Upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Maybe God wakes you up in the middle of the night, not just to roll over, not just to get annoyed, not just to have a drink of water. Maybe He wakes you up in the middle of the night so that you can stop for a moment and think about the wonderful truth of things of God. You may have the excuse well, I don't know that much about God, but what do you know about Him? What has the Word of God revealed that you can mull over? Rather than thinking about everything you don't know about God, why don't you take this and remember and meditate upon what you do know? I don't believe God wakes you up in the middle of the night, right? According to this, this is, sometimes there's a spiritual reason for waking you up. I know there's other things, there's bumps in the night and kids crying and other things. But maybe God wakes you up sometimes so that you can have an, a small time To worship God. Because the Psalm 139 says, I praise you. Psalm 63, verse 7 says, I will sing for joy. If you really want to wake up your wife or your husband, start singing for joy in the middle of the night and say, I'm sorry, I'm just following what the Bible says. (laughs) Why are you singing? It's 3 a.m. Be quiet. We're called to respond in wow, the response of worship. And the final one has a question mark at the end. The response of what? It's not, isn't it, what are you doing? The response is, what do you have for me, God? Because if God really does see you where you are, I, I, I think I know you. I think I know my family, but I really don't see them as intimately and closely as God sees them. And God knows you, and He cares for you. My mom. She loves me and cares for me. I'm her only son, but I'm also her favorite son. Regardless, in fact, I'm her favorite child. And and maybe you're the same way. Maybe you're the fa- you're the lucky favorite child. And I have two sisters, but they're not the favorite. But you know, God sees you in, in, in a real way, and it's kind of funny. You go, yes, I'm the favorite child, but it is true. But when God sees you. He doesn't look at you, and well, yes, I like you, but that person's my favorite. It's a very different attitude. He looks at you and says, I love you for who you are. You are exactly who I created. Therefore, I have a plan and a purpose for you. It's not that you have to get yourself all right and all clean, and then God will say I have a plan and purpose for you. He says, I see you, I know you, I care for you where you are. And that totally changes the way we look at things and the way we think about ourselves. That doesn't mean we're to remain where we are. That's why our last response has a question mark at the end. It's not like, what? if, If I was a teenage girl, I could probably do a really good what. But it's the what as in, God, what do you have for me? And this is the key, anticipation. Every time you come underneath the Word of God, every time you open up the Word of God, the Bible, and you read, there's an opportunity and an anticipation. God, you are going to speak to me. Every time you come to church, there's an opportunity to say, What, God, what do you have for me? Anticipating that God does have something for you today. And with that, that's a totally different attitude, and it's a wonderful attitude. The very end of the psalm begins with a response to the beginning of the psalm. Verse number one says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. He's stating a fact. He's beginning this this poem or the song with, Oh, God, you've searched me, you know me, you know who I am. He's stating the fact. The end of it is an attitude. Verse number 23 says, Search me and know me and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That's a different attitude. It's not just stating the fact that, God, you know who I am. This is an attitude of, God, I want you to know who I am. Will you search me out? Will you clean me out? Will you help me change where I need to change? We all have plans. As a parent, I have plans for my kids. I've already told them, you're going to take care of me when I'm old. Now, I'm going to. And I will love you now, and I will love you in the future. I don't expect you to change my nappy, but that would be nice. And we we say that jokingly, and, and, I, and I do joke about that. But at the same time, is I have plans for my kids that I want them to do far bigger and greater things than I've ever able to accomplish myself. When I look at my children, it's not about me focused, as in I want to raise my kids because I, someday they better do well so they'll take care of me. I want them to do well and to grow so they can do the things that God wants them to do and accomplish greater things than I've been able to accomplish in my life, because that's what I believe that God wants them to do, not me focused or my wife focused. It says in this verse, search me, O God, and know my heart. In other words, know who I am deep inside. An attitude of saying, God, you know it already, but I want you to know. Try me and know my thoughts, which is really scary. And see if there be any grievous way in me. In other words, see if there's sin in my life. See if things that are separating me from you. And lead me in the way everlasting. My Bible ends with an exclamation point at the end. So it's not like, and lead me in the way everlasting. I, I see an exclamation point there, I think, is a bit of an anticipation, of an excitement of God. I don't want anything to be in the way. I want to be totally focused upon you and what you have for me. Therefore, we finish with a question. God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have for me today? God, I want to know what you want me to know. I want to think the way that you want me to think. Please clean me out. Cleanse me from sin and lead me to where you're going. And notice the word there. I want to finish with this final point. And I think it's really encouraging. We know the fact that God sees you. He knows you. He cares for you. The end of this psalm gives us one more. He leads you. There's something really unhelpful about someone pointing and saying, go over there. It's somewhere over there. But when someone leads you, it makes a big difference. A number of years ago, my first job out of high school, I worked for Bunnings. I was one of the pricing auditors, so literally I knew where everything was in the entire store, and I was in charge of making sure all the prices were correct. So I knew which shelf everything was on, which level, which bay it was on, and you would have someone ask you where something was, and you say say, well, was aisle number such and such, aisle number 15. And they look at you, and you can tell the people that are the regular Bunnings people, because, well, first of all, I never ask for advice ever anymore. But when you ask, and they tell you, and they say, oh, just somewhere down that way, you know how unhelpful that is? Because you're going to spend the next 20 minutes walking up and down the aisle thinking, where is that one thing I need? But then you have the staff member, and this is where I tried to do often, because you get that blank look and you feel sorry for the person. So you walk, follow me. And then you would lead them to show them exactly which bay it was. It's normally it's the one at the very bottom back corner that they never find of themselves. And you show them exactly where it is, and they go, oh, thank you. That's exactly what God's doing. That was a really silly illustration to, to, to show something beautiful. God doesn't just see you and know you and care for you. He says, I'm going to lead you along in life. I'm not just going to point you which way to go. I'm going to take you with me. That changes everything. Because when God's with you, you're not by yourself anymore. You don't have to worry about being strong enough because God's with you. You don't have to worry about being smart enough, although we certainly want to study the things of God. We don't have to be smart enough because He's with us. A very different way of living life so as you go out this week how are you going to live life differently simple things that are already common in your mind i want you to turn them around as worship thank you god for the sky thank you god for salvation thank you for loving me there's a god who loves you and cares for you if you don't know that god if you yet to place your personal trust upon him that care and that, that knowing is there waiting he's there with wide open arms saying come to me I want to have a close, intimate, deep relationship with you. If you do me the honor at the end of the service, I would love to take the word of God and show you out of the Bible how you can have a relationship with God, not through me, not through Southwest Baptist Church, but through Jesus Christ, so that you can also say wow to the things of God. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for your love and for your care. You've given us far more than we deserve. On this Mother's Day, I pray there will be not just a happy Mother's Day, but, Lord, a day of real change in our lives, change for the better, as we think about the the wonderful fact that you see us and you know us and you care for us. We don't want to just leave it there. We also want you to lead us in every aspect of our lives. And Lord, if there's people here today that are yet to place their trust upon you as Savior, I pray that today will be that day. There's people here that are feeling alone and discouraged because they need your guidance and they need your leading. I pray that that will become not just a feeling, but a fact in their lives. And in Jesus' name, amen.